0: Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Fay others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Cleaned off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
1: Lana Cleland striking from outside the penalty area.
0: World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores! Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Surprising signings and stunning scorelines. What a week in women's football. Nine is the magic number. Arsenal keep their foot firmly on the gas.
1: Smidema who couldn't quite reach it, but look at that for a finish. It's a splendid goal from Beth
0: Mead, and it's raining goals here. Anything you can do, we can do well, the same. Chelsea hit nine at Kings Meadow too.
3: Sees it back from Kerr. Oh, and that is what a fantastic goal! Penilla harder. That is
2: world class.
0: We'll get stuck into the rest of the weekend's results and assess some of the WSL's new super signings.
3: The other place I would have went was obviously just to have stayed at Lyon. Although there was a little interest, I just said I'm not. I don't want to speak to you.
0: That was Lucy Bronze, of course, but we'll also speak to Spurs joint head coach Juan Amoros as World Cup winner Alex Morgan comes over to Blighty for more than just a cup of tea. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker others. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're
4: listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two.
0: Well, we have our own super signings in the studio today. A double debut going on, Courtney Sweetman Kirk. It's it's kind of your full debut because we've had you on the phone before, former Liverpool striker, of course. Great to have you with us. What have you been up to?
5: Um, I've been I've been across all the games. I've I've been doing bits and bobs and, and covering the game. So it's it's been a great start to the season um, for me. On the weekend, I was I was watching the Sheffield game, Frank Kitchen. Uh, the keeper there was, was my best mate and uh, Rumi in, in Liverpool and again with the Leicester connection I'm from Leicester myself so had a bit of a vested interest
0: in that one it was a really good game to watch in the championship yeah finished 2-2 didn't it top of the championship those two Molly Meckle oh god I've just pronounced your name wrong I knew I was going to do that <laughs> it's Mikkel- a done I'm so sorry I hate it when people say Karuda that's normally me nuts. with a double barrelled name <laughs> <laughs> how are you um, very well I know thank you've you. had a weekend off so I'm not expecting you to have been at a game but what did you have your eye on uh watching from the sofa so i mean
4: nine different goal scorers at chelsea was pretty pretty difficult to miss and
0: ignore um especially with a back heel special so Ooh. i mean that caught my eye and that was one of the signings that we're going to be talking about of course Penilla harder with that gorgeous back heel uh, for chelsea um first though we're talking about a special arrival on these shores
1: Here he is her into the area. Here's
0: Morgan with a header and she meets it. And
1: she scores. Alex Morgan for the United States of America. Puts them back in front. Take back by White. But Alex Morgan says, anything you can do, I can do as well. She goes level in the race for the Golden boot, But more significantly,
0: she's put the United States back in front the world of women's football took a collective intake of breath last week when Tottenham Hotspur women announced the signing of the USA's superstar forward Alex Morgan subject to her obviously obtaining a visa uh what were your opinions of this ladies
5: it was a bit of a bolt from the blue actually um I think normally with with women's football and being involved you get murmurs of of certain transfers but yeah it was just i saw it on twitter myself and i was like that is very interesting and i think that's a big coup for spurs you look at you know the the big clubs that would love to have her and you know no disrespect to tottenham but they're probably not you know part of that big three that you'd expect your your major signings to go to so you know amazing work must have been going on behind the scenes there
0: absolutely jaw on the floor molly i mean yeah
4: i like like you say corny i mean everyone was shocked by it i i couldn't believe it. Um, was very happy to see it, and happy to see a new mum also joining the league. That's a a huge. I mean, a really significant part of the transfer story. I think she only gave birth what, like
0: four months ago. In May. Yeah, so. I know. She said, uh, I think her daughter's name's Charlie, and she said first, first stamp in Charlie's passport is going to be the UK. She, I don't think she's here yet, but listen, let's find out exactly how this came about by speaking to Spurs joint head coach Juan Amoros. Juan, how are you doing? You must be cock-a-hoop at the moment. Yeah, we are very happy. We are very happy here at uh,
2: Spurs, obviously with the, with the news of, of Alex coming to us. So, yeah, very excited to work on her.
0: What a coup that is. Tell us exactly how it came about.
2: Uh, realistically obviously it was the last few days of, of the transfer market and, and once the opportunity came across uh, of, of signing a player of, of the caliber of, of Alex in the club, the board, everyone is being really pushing to, to make it possible and obviously it's a player that like Karen and myself uh, and really any any football fan uh, we know really well that when they asked us that the option was there for us for us to sign uh, both of us were very excited I think it was an all brainer this is it. so yeah very 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 happy and I think the club is done a fantastic job to to get that through
0: absolutely they have now did 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 Alex Morgan's agent approach you as a club or did you approach Alex Morgan's agent?
2: I think uh, I think it was a little bit of both. I think those call, in, in in women's football or in football in general there is a lot of communications between clubs, agents, coaches and and I think the communication was there and the opportunity came up. I don't think it was just one way or the other. The, the conversations were, were happening and, and, and once obviously uh, we we are a, a massive club to the Hotspur and and Alex is obviously a, a great player as well. So I think it he, he will be a, a great experience for both. Really, I think both have a lot of ambitions, us as, as a club, fair as a player, and I'm sure that the future will be very exciting for both, really.
5: Hi, Juan, it's Courtney Sweetman-Kirk here. Just a quick question from me. How do you feel from a, a coaching perspective of, of a player of that gravitas um, coming in? Do you feel like you're going to have to change your coaching style or the way that, that you manage compared to the, the players uh, that you've got in the squad at the moment? I
2: mean, for us, obviously, Alex is, is, uh, is a great number nine that is going to help us. And as you know, well, we, we are a team that, you know, a journey, uh, you know, values, is that we try to dominate games and, and not only win football matches but also dominate those games. So I think Alex definitely will will help us on on those. I think for us the main thing at the moment is is making sure like like what we do with every player that join us, like the last two has been Alana and Shalina also, Alana Kennedy and Shalina also with great profile internationally and, and, and what we focus first and foremost here as a club is making sure that the person is right. I think in this case Alex obviously is coming with the babies, a new mom I think we, we are studying a lot how, how we can do the, the best we can with her with a strength and conditioning department led by David Martinez is already working on that and we've got Sarah on the on the medical side also on, on the case. We've got a fantastic group of coaches. We obviously led by, by Karen and myself that are gonna do the best to, to get the best of her for, for the time that we have with us. So I think he, in this case, she's he, a great player, but at the end of the day, she's a person like all of us. So we need to make sure that, that she is right on, on on those aspects. And I'm sure with the team of people that we have, we, we, we can make that happen.
4: Hi, Juan. Molly McElwee here. With all that in mind, obviously, Hello. like you say, she's she's a new mum and, and she's she's been off for a while. When, when can we expect to see her on the pitch and actually playing?
2: I think that for that uh, hopefully very soon. Uh we know she's been working really hard. I think you, you can see that in, in social media how she, she was pregnant and is the ultimate professional, probably working extremely hard to keep fit even during that pregnancy. We are aware that after that, she's doing everything possible to, to be back as, a, uh, as soon as possible after, be, after obviously giving birth, but at the same time making sure she does that uh, on the right terms and on the right conditions. So at the moment, but uh, working very hard to, to make sure that she's in the right place and, and I'm sure, we will be able to see her and, and enjoy her football and her goals very, very soon with this spare stop.
0: Juan, what's the latest on the visa situation? Because I know that her joining was subject to, to, to visa approval.
2: Yeah, well, I think that uh, with the visa, I don't think it's an issue because you meet the requirements that now, that now international players international players need. So I think those, those are things that are work on progress. I think there's a lot of work going behind the scenes. Obviously, it was a, a deadline day to transfer, and, and that brings a lot of paperwork and uh, you know a lot of different things that, to be organised by uh, by the club, whether are head of football, head, uh, the people within the club, in the world, are working extremely hard. To, to make it happen because unfortunately we are living in a, in a world at the moment with, with this pandemic that, that we can't forget. It's, still, it's still around us. That, that we need to make sure everything is done in the right way we, we, in, and in a safe way. And, uh, and I'm sure there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure all with the, the fantastic club, with the fantastic people we have behind the scenes as well, it's going to be sorted all without without problems.
0: What kind of statement do you think it is from Tottenham Hotspur? Well,
2: oh, I think we've been we a club that we've been we've been in a journey, don't we? Like uh, Kare and myself and the rest of the staff, we've been here for for a long time. We have players that have been in, in Tier Three, playing in all over England in very difficult places, and, and now we are attracting like the best the best players in the world, and and I think that. That shows a lot not, not only in England but but in the world. Where's a, t- a statement of, of Tottenham Hotspur as a club on the women's side? I think is a, a great push from the club. I think it's definitely uh, you know a, a great step forward in terms of, of supporting the, the women's side. And, and, and I think we are one club. We we see football as a sport. as a not matter obviously if it's men or, or women. And I think the club is doing everything possible to make sure that. That we are where we deserve to be uh, as a club on, on both aspects. So uh, I think it's a great statement, and I think it's, it's great for not only for us but also for the league, for the WSL. You know, I think that will, the WSL, truly after this transfer, we're going to be the league with the most attention in the world this year. We, without any doubt, and, and that's going to be only beneficial for, for everyone. So, so, yeah, I think it's a great statement from from the club. And for us, it will be a, an honor to, to receive Alex. Uh, I think Alex also is going to come to an environment We we got a fantastic group of players where they've you know, been together for a while and now this, this summer time on the second year already are doing a fantastic job, and I'm sure she's going to fit fantastically well with them.
5: I Juan. Courtney again. You talk about obviously what Alex can can bring on the pitch, and I think that's that's pretty obvious uh-huh. to people if she can get herself up to to fitness quickly. But uh-huh. in terms of the commercial aspect, maybe not something that you thought about. But do you think that played a part in trying to bring Alex, you know, in from higher up within the Spurs hierarchy, the the sort of the, the shirts sales and and the marketing that you know. You just see it on Twitter, the fact that you've announced it. There was such a big outpouring of people that that couldn't really believe it and and the traction that you get from that. Was that um, something that, that was included in the transfer as well and thought about?
2: Yeah, obviously every every aspect. Uh, we, when we sign a player, any player we sign, and in the professional world, you need to look at everything that that player that, that player brings. Like we we look obviously on on the pitch, you know we call it the five corners here: uh, total hot spot women, like the physical, the social, and, and the technical, tactical, and and the psychological. But then also there is other other added values to to, to the people that come to the club. You no, know? there is markets, there is a lot of things that have an impact in in making the decision to sign a player or, or not signing a player and when both of them are all of them are positive and you get a great player and she get a, a great commercial value. I think it's only it's only positive and it's it's, it's only something that, that you're gonna consider for a for good she's also gonna kind of fantastic, you know, like everyone you speak about about Alexis, they only say good things, how professional she is, how she raises standards, how hard she works, how how she tries to do everything she can for the team. She's led the US Women's national team being the captain. Like he's all positive. There is nothing there that you might think oh like she's controversial or she has something that no, she's absolutely outstanding. She she works a lot on on you know an equality campaigns. she works a lot on on, you know, non governmental, you know She's all positive in terms of, of her image so for us obviously those things are added value that uh, is considered but obviously for us the main, the main attributes come with her on the pitch.
0: Just finally and, and quickly Juan, um, we've seen the reaction on social media obviously but what was the squad reaction when they heard the news?
2: Oh they are, they are extremely excited uh, obviously we got a couple of players as I said, they've they've played with her before so I'm quite you know, they've they've already enjoyed the experience here and probably they they even you know like when, when Alex probably spoke with them to see how was the things here they they were like already very happy and, and they're very happy to, to to that she's coming but then the rest of the players we go obviously other you know, forwards that you might think oh but they might be concerned. I already we already go, Karen and, and myself, Ryan you know, saying how exciting she is to work with her because obviously know, is the the moment, the number nine, one of the number nine is promising for England, starting normally for England under 20s or 21s, and when they go collapse, and, and the players are very excited to to work with her because, she, as I said, she got, you know a fantastic name, but this is also in the, what people say about her. The person is is only good thing. So we are a group of people, uh, first and foremost, and uh, we like to work on great players. And so everyone in the sport is extremely excited to to have Alex with, with them. So I'm. I'm pretty happy when, when we let the team know that, that she was coming, the reaction was outstanding from, from all of the captains, cup times, leadership group, uh, the, the players, whatever it is their age, like, they were all very, very happy to to welcome her, so it's something it's something to be proud of, to be
0: honest. Absolutely, you should be proud, Juan, uh, for sure. An absolute pleasure talking to you, to you as ever as well, Juan Amoros there, Spurs joint head coach, excited as you heard about the arrival of uh, the USA forward, Alex, Morgan, as are we all. So that's five members of the world champion squad now plying their trade in the WSL. Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle at Manchester City, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press at Manchester United, as well as Alex Morgan. We'll wait to see when she first sets foot on the pitch uh, for Tottenham Hotspur, uh, hopefully soon. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly Mac- McKelvey. I will do it right, Molly, I promise. Women's Football Weekly is the only show, by the way, on national radio dedicated to women's football here every Monday, six till seven, bringing you all you need to know in the game. If you miss any or want to listen again, we're available on podcast, download us and subscribe on Apple and Spotify products. Next up, though, we'll chat to Lucy Bronze and Alex Greenwood on their return to the FAWSL. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others. Hello, this is Farah
5: from Medin FC Women. You're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2.
0: This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me Faker Rother's former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly McElwee. There we go, third time lucky. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so following the arrivals of Vanilla Harder and the five USA World Cup winners was the return of England stars and Champions League winners Lucy Bronze and Alex Greenwood, who both left Lyon to join Manchester City. For Lucy Bronze, it was the return after three years to the club she won so much with, but for Alex Greenwood, it was swapping red for blue as she was Manchester United captain when they were in the championship before she left for France. I caught up with both of them last week. Let's hear from Lucy first, who told me why she wanted to return to the FAWSL,
3: England's gonna, always has been, always will be my um, biggest goal, and to, to win something with England, it's, it's always top of my priority list. You know, w- which is kind of a big reason for wanting to move back to England to be close to the team and, and to help influence the team more. Um, and I mean, what greater opportunity than the next kind of couple of couple of years, three, four years uh, with all the competitions, at home Euros. Especially that'll be, you know, probably the highlight of my career if, if I am to, to make it into the team then and then squad. Um, but at a, cl- at a club level, um, I've had that individual success in terms of you know winning Champions League as an individual in a, in a team abroad, but you know, I want to bring that success back to England, back to City. Um, obviously, City's a, a team that's used to winning silverware anyway, but uh, I want to want the team to win more silverware, be more consistent, uh, get back to winning the league, um, push to, to make Champions League final, um, just take the, the, the team to the next level. You know, I could have stayed at Leon and had the same goals every single year, but I think people who know me know that I like to challenge myself, I like to, to, to give myself different challenges and different goals, and that's probably the biggest reason for coming back and, and wanting that change
0: that's Lucy Bronze there obviously returning to Manchester City England's right back delighted to have her back Courtney delighted now you're not playing that she's back (laughs) yeah
5: (laughs) definitely um but of course you you want the best players um to come to the league and, and that definitely includes Lucy Bronze obviously she's been a stalwart in the England team because she's been fantastic and arguably one of our best players for for the last few years. So it's exciting for the league. It's obviously exciting for Manchester City. There's, there'll be a lot of wingers that won't be very excited. I can tell you that. But no, it's very good for the league and obviously for the lionesses. It just makes things slightly easier when you're an international and you know you've you're probably leaving camp a little bit earlier or coming a little bit late. So that'll make her life slightly easier as well. And, and obviously, I think a personal thing is you always want to be at home. And, and I, again, that will probably you know make. Her her life a little bit easier and just be more settled
0: yeah she's been out there for three years now thoroughly enjoyed her time out in out in leon when i've spoken to her about it um but that's a really good point you make courtney because actually she said that herself in the interview that being in england during this transition phase for the lionesses was really important to her and she wanted to be you know not coming a day or two days late into the camp uh, and things like that and with two big years coming up that's going to be uh, crucial for her but from a WSL point of view how crucial is it that you know we lost a lot of these big players out to clubs like Leon? how crucial is it that we're now getting them back? I think it's really
4: crucial, I think that it, Lucy Bronze was just a huge kind of figure during the World Cup and it's what drew a lot of people to the Lionesses and I think also her intentions that she's kind of vocalised in coming back to Man City have been really important, she's been, it's, I'm kind of impressive her kind of saying I want to create a legacy in the way that Wendy Renard created her legacy at Leon which yeah it's it's kind of an exciting and it's it's a big statement to make and you want some you want the kind of characters and players that are going to be here to to yeah to kind of hopefully make that happen, but also to make those kind of storylines as well. It attracts people to the game in a, in, a, in a really big way, I
0: think. Yeah, and these are kind of superstars that we've seen now, plying their trade in the World Cup and, and becoming household names. Alex Greenwood, another one, she said she expects a backlash from the fans, you know, Manchester United fans never happy when someone crosses uh, over the Manchester border, uh, but she's desperate to taste Champions League success again. The feeling
4: I had when we, when we won that Champions League last week was something I can't really put into words um and it's something that sticks with you and you just want to do it again and again and again and that's exactly why I've come to this football club it's it's like i said it's so ambitious it's it wants to win uh, trophies and titles and and that's the same for me um and if we can if we can do that um, then it will be an unbelievable achievement for the club
0: Unbelievable achievement for the club, certainly. Unbelievable achievement for Alex Greenwood, bearing in mind she was playing championship football just two years ago. Um, Great to have her back. And you really did not... I mean, look, we're going to talk about Manchester City. I mean, how utterly ridiculous that, you know, we've got all these fantastic players playing the trade in the WSL and half of them are at Manchester City. Yeah, that was the only game that was goalless this weekend. But anyway, we'll get on to that in a second. But what I did notice in that game is how solid um both alex greenwood and um lucy bronze were coming back just slotted straight back in courtney
5: yeah and and that's no mean feat in terms of everything that's up in the air and covid they've won the champions league and then they're coming back they've got to get straight into a new team so i think that's testament to them both as professionals at how well they've done that and yeah they didn't look like they'd been away and and for Man City that that's fantastic and you know like you say Alex only a few years ago was in the championship albeit you know it was a full-time outfit but again to have Alex back in the league I know she's she's taken a lot of stick and I've seen that on socials and from someone that sort of cross the Mersey sideline, it's not always the easiest thing to do. And I think it's different for women's football. It is because you've got to go, you know, it's only sometimes one year, two year contracts. And it sounds crude at times, but you've got to go, not where the money is, but where you can earn a living. Um so I think that's something that some people need to appreciate. It's different in the men's game because you maybe don't have to cross that line financially um so yeah i, I was a bit disappointed i get where fans are coming from but you know seeing it, it's not a nice thing and i was a bit bit disappointed to see she's taken some stick but that's you know, as footballers that's what we deal with so
0: how much stick did you get when yeah
5: quite you a bit i keep seeing the snake emojis that's what i saw um for alex <laughs> and i and i saw the same one so Perspects. it sort of yeah uh, it brought it back for me but no i think you know she'll she's professional she'll deal with it i sort of not very well but i know of alex and she's she's a good girl so i'm sure she'll take that you know on the chin and you know the best way that that she'll get over that is to to do something spectacular i imagine in the next game she's she's a great technical footballer that left foot is a one so hopefully she'll bang one in in the top corner and uh, yeah that'll maybe quiet some people down
0: absolutely she's a friend of women's football weekly as well we've had her on regularly uh, on the phone so we wish her the best of luck as well and as i said pretty ironic really that all of that creativity and class manchester city were held to a goalless draw by brighton great result for hope Powell's side though Uh, we will get into the analysis of it shortly but elsewhere on week two of the women's super league it was goals galore
2: it's Lisa Evans,
5: unselfishly squares the ball into the path of Caping Forward who rolls the ball into the net and Arsenal have scored goal number nine. Slips in Sam Kerr, that's a good first touch and the second one is in the back of the net and she does have her goal, 9-0. There are sixes and sevens at the back, Russo squares it across unselfishly, all over, United with their fifth. Sorensen with a deep cross and that's a
1: fine header from Christensen. A lovely goal for Everton. A chance to put some daylight between Reading and Villa. Oh, calmly done from Farrah Williams. The sheer audacity of that. Can Brighton hold out? There is the final whistle. What a point!
0: And they have stopped Manchester City at home from winning and scoring. <laughs> 31 goals across the FAWSL this weekend. We'll be getting into all of them shortly. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. I'm joined by former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly McElwee. If you miss any of the show you can catch up by downloading and subscribing to our podcast which is available through Apple and Spotify products. Just search Talk Sport and Women's Football Weekly. Coming up, we'll go through the rest of the weekend's action on the only dedicated National radio show for women's football, Women's Football Weekly with Faker others. Hi,
4: I'm Karen Hills from Tottenham Hotspur Women, and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. As Jordan Nobbs said, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faye Others and I'm with former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly McKelvey. Do you know what it is? It's every time I say journalist and I put an extra S on it for no reason whatsoever. It's and a an, lot. Yeah. It is a lot. It's a good name though. It's a very good name. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, right. So 31 goals, as I said uh, before, we disappeared very briefly. Let's start off, shall we, um, with West Ham one, Arsenal nine. Now this was actually played in front of a crowd of around about five or six hundred because it was one of the test events. Up to a thousand were were allowed. Um, obviously with new restrictions coming in i think perhaps a lot of people just thought maybe maybe not but it was really nice you know watching the pictures and actually seeing a crowd there for a start courtney
5: yeah definitely i I switched over to it it was one of the ones that that I had a look at and I didn't, rem- I didn't remember it was a test event, so I heard the crowd noise and I'm thinking, are they putting crowd noise onto the women's football now? But no, it was fantastic. It's nice. I think that as a footballer, that's what what you play for. Obviously, you play for your teammates and, and for yourself, but ultimately you play for the fans to give them that excitement. So it is great to have them back and hopefully... Obviously, the restrictions change every day, but hopefully that can keep building. Women's football get less of a crowd as as men. So you'd like to think that we can keep building that up and, like, say, the women's football can be the test, um, well, for all sport, really.
0: Mm, It can can be. Um, Obviously, not the best result for West Ham. I mean, we had Matt Beard, West Ham manager, in... Um, on Women's Football Weekly last weekend. And, you know, he was optimistic about the game. You know, he, he knows the threat that Arsenal pose, but obviously losing their captain, Gilly Flatty early on in that first half, two yellow cards. Second one was for dissent. Uh, but let's just have a quick listen uh, to what Matt Beard had to say because he wasn't overly chuffed with the officiating.
5: Look, the officials have had a massive impact in the first half, but they haven't had an impact in the result. The frustrating thing for me is... I haven't seen them back yet, but I've been told two of the goals in the first half were offside, and it's obviously led to Julie getting sent off. You know, Julie wears her heart on her sleeve, and obviously she has to stay in control at that moment. Um, I just don't think we got the rub of the green
0: in any of the decisions with the referees today or the officials. It's just frustrating. That was Matt Beard there, uh, West Ham manager talking to Talk Sports, Jake Robson. Uh, Molly McElwee. what do you think? Was he right there? I mean, a couple of the goals. You know decent shouts were offside yeah they, they were decent shouts for offside and you can feel for
4: him because i guess like the first half hour was quite even and it, it does kind of really impact the game when you lose your player either way and it, for, for them to lose their player and also feel like well oh, actually those two goals could have could have gone either way yeah that it, it, it was a real shame and obviously the end result just showed it, it, it kind of yeah put the game to bed at that moment really um yeah, you can't take anything away from Arsenal either, though, because they were just relentless in their attacking game as they always are. Uh, but yeah, you can feel for him, especially yeah, like you say, he was he was very optimistic going into it and West Ham have had some great signings Rachel Daly and 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 have a lot of kind of backing behind them so you kind of want them to do well to to kind of show that to 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 show that kind of that was all that's all worth it and hopefully it will come together a bit later in the season but yeah Mm. it wasn't their weekend.
0: Chilly Flaherty did tweet after after the game she said I wasn't going to tweet anything regarding yesterday's game as if yeah (laughs) Um, and I have to be careful here in what I say Come on, Jilly. we know you all better than that. Uh, first of all, I didn't get the second yellow because I lost my head because I'm playing against my old team. I got a second yellow for me telling the lino it was a poor decision. Ultimately, as a result of this, the people I've let down and my teammates, staff, who I've apologised to and I would also like to apologise to our incredible fans. The decision killed the game and ruined what would have been a great game. People will have their own opinions on it and, I th- and think I'm wrong or think I'm awful as a player or a person or whatever, but that's sweet however something needs to be done regarding the standard of officiating in our league because we as players and clubs are getting let down week in week out because of it this is something that we've talked about on women's football weekly regularly i have had a bid in with the fa to talk to uh, the head of referees uh, jo- uh, joanna stimpson uh, courtney how much do we need an improvement
5: yeah a lot um and it's I think between players and managers it's getting to a point where it's a bit of a, a running joke unfortunately and I've heard a lot of things about VAR and can we bring it into the women's game but before we do that the the bit of sympathy that I do have with ref- referees and going to the weekend they they were very clear cut I watched I saw the offsides they were very clear cut so in my opinion the referees they should be spotting that it's, it wasn't a close one it was a good few yards there was daylight but the sympathy I do have with referees are they are part-time on their are working their full-time jobs and they're coming and refereeing so at what point is it acceptable to have part-time referees in a full-time league it's not so before we talk about VAR and address any of that we need to and I don't again I don't know how it works that's a question for the FA um, if you can get in touch with them but we need to have full-time referees that are at that standard to be able to officiate the game because it does become a running joke and it, it lets the women's game down to to a degree. And that there are a, a number of, of referees that you know are very good. And but you know, again, there are some referees that you turn up and you just think, I don't want this referee. <laughs> and and again, I'll be the first one to tell you. You know, I'd be like Jilly, I'd be screaming and shouting. I am like that, and you know, I was screaming and shouting. And and I get where Jilly's coming from. And again, like Matt says, she wears a heart on the sleeve, and it it can't continually keep happening because it brings down the women's game. So something needs to be done in terms of getting the referees the amount of training that they need to be able to do their job efficiently. Because and and again, it's it's not great for them in terms of bringing referees into the game that are getting screamed at every weekend by twenty-two girls that aren't very happy. So. I think they need help, they need a lot of help and the FA definitely need to address that before we look at anything else regarding VAR and like I say, you can't have such a trajectory of the increase in the game Um, for the play-in, the coaching resources that we've got and not give that to the referees, it doesn't make any
0: sense. Yeah, some things definitely need to catch up, that's for sure. Let's look at the positives of this match, though, because Arsenal, again, last week beating uh, Reading, uh, scoring six goals. This week, 9-1 against West Ham. But Joe Montemuro, their head coach, says he's not getting carried away.
1: Statement uh, is probably a word that uh, the journalists like to use. Um, We we, we have our, our feet... Firmly on the ground, um, we understand the circumstances. Uh, we understand where we're at. We understand also that we, um, you know, um, probably are a little bit more more ahead of some teams in terms of preparation because of the Champions League. So, um, you know, we're we're keeping our, um, our our feet firmly on the ground, um, continuing to to believe in what we we believe is the best way to play football, keeping the group. Um, in uh, in good uh, in, in in a good mentality um, to know that there is a lot of competition in the squad um, and 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 it's going to be a squad that's going to get us the success this year, not not one or two individuals.
0: Joe Montemiro there, Arsenal uh, manager, um, interesting thoughts from him. Very similar to to what we hear from Emma Hayes, Chelsea manager, and Gareth Taylor at Manchester City not getting carried away. You know, you'd kind of expect to hear that after, after game two. And let's talk about Chelsea and Emma Hayes because an absolute rampage at King's Meadow, but... The best thing about this game, Chelsea nine, Bristol City nil, and we'll talk about Bristol City because they've had a dreadful start to the season. Was it eleven one or eleven two? They got beaten last year uh, by Arsenal as well. You know, you just don't want to see these kind of score lines. Um, and we know that the the problems that Tanya Rocks to be is, is fighting against at Bristol City as well. But you know, from a from a Chelsea point of view, nine different goal scorers and molly i know how impressed you were with Panilla harder's back heel flick i mean that was just gorgeous <laughs> yeah it was
4: it, it was pretty nice it was I, I think with chelsea everyone everyone kind of knew going into the season how much kind of firepower they had up front and uh, it's not so it's not something that they were lacking in before anyway so to, to see Panilla harder come in and do that to see her link up with sam kerr very well as well and but then to see everyone else get on the score sheet was pretty impressive especially when there's such kind of competition for places emma hayes has a very difficult decision every week trying to pick her her starting 11 i think and having someone like beth england who dominated last season and kind of fighting for a spot that's obviously a good thing in that it, it keeps kind of all her players on their toes but it must be pretty tricky to 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 yeah to make a final decision on, on the team sheet every she'll, week
0: she'll find it very useful once the champions league starts up again mm. though and i mean that's i have got quite annoyed when people have been criticizing arsenal for not bringing in uh, many players but they're not in the champions league this season so they don't have to have the same kind of rotation that manchester city and chelsea do that's for sure um but yeah really impressive display from chelsea how worried are you for bristol city already
5: yeah it, it it's not good and chelsea were fantastic but yeah it i think when you're in a in a squad and you know i'll I go from my experience with liverpool last year not that we got beat like that but when you you're consistently losing games it's hard it's hard personally it's hard on the squad it's hard on the management and yeah i don't really know how you pick yourself up from that or, or where you go it, it's frustrating because as as the game as a whole it's fantastic for Chelsea and I'm not saying they don't deserve it and I think Emma you know she did take a bit of stick in the press conference after because people asking you know is this good for the game and and should Chelsea not be doing stuff like this and bringing in these players and we shouldn't be stunting the growth but something needs to be done at the bottom end because consistently now it's it's becoming a bit of a three-horse league and I think where where do we where do we toe the line with that what procedures that we put in place to help these lower teams and is it something like a minimum salary or I I, I don't know again I don't have the answers if I did I'd I'd probably be a very rich woman but I think score lines like 9-0 and 9-1 aren't necessarily good for the game because we need to keep it competitive and keep everyone you know the, the Premier League is known as the best league in the world because anyone can beat anyone and that's the excitement of it so it does worry me for Bristol but also for the league as well
0: Courtney Sweetman-Kirk for Prime Minister. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everton 1, Tottenham nil. Izzy Christensen on the score sheet. I mean, you talk about it being a three-horse league, but so far Everton uh, top of the league, um, two out of two for them and Willie Kirk, six points. um, And Birmingham City 2, Manchester United 5. Manchester United knocking on the door of the uh, top three too. Yeah, interesting game that
5: one was. I watched that game and it was it was very interesting and and Birmingham you're looking at it at 2-2 everyone's probably put the money on them to go down but but did really well so if more results can go like that and maybe Birmingham can hold on a little bit more and it's it's a 2-2 draw then that that again it makes the league exciting
4: yeah <laughs> Sorry, I liked I liked watching Casey Stoney after the game as well. They asked her what she said at halftime. She just had a little sort of chuckle to herself. And you can imagine that was not uh, the dressing room you want to be in.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. However, um, Alessio Russo on debut for Manchester United with an assist as well. Come back over from the States, obviously part of Phil Neville slash Serena Wiegmann's plans for, for the Lionesses as well, who we will be talking about shortly. Just a couple of other results uh, to bring you as well manchester city nil brighton nil a uh, really good point for for hope powell's side that um and reading three aston villa uh one uh, a really important result for reading having lost uh six nil last week to to arsenal to get back to winning ways because actually people had tipped them to do all right this season molly yeah definitely i think it, it was great to see them pick
4: themselves up because uh, last week you're watching that game and you're thinking wow they're not ready at the minute and maybe they're not gelling in the way that you want them to but yeah getting that result i think it's a shame faster miller i mean I, i'm kind of rooting for them i want them to do well um but yeah you see you see maybe they need to kind of adjust their expectations a little bit in the way they approach the games going forward maybe yeah sort of trying to make sure they're not as vulnerable or exposed uh, in the way they're playing out from, out from the back but yeah reading hopefully will be able to kind of push on from this a little
0: Well listen we'll be talking about Aston Villa shortly because they are our spotlight topic today. I'll explain that a little bit more in case you've missed the last two shows. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others, former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly McElwee are with me. If you do miss any of the show you can either catch up by downloading the Talk Sport app or by subscribing to our podcast which is on Apple and Spotify products and we'll take a look at the Lionesses squad next as they prepare to meet at St George Park. Women's football weekly with Faker others.
5: Hi, I'm Rihanna Dean from Tottenham Hotspur Women, and you are listening to Talk Sport 2.
0: This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Others, former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Telegraph sports journalist Molly McElwee. Uh, right, so shortly we're going to talk about the Lionesses as they prepare to meet at St George's Park tomorrow. But the new season is underway. That means Women's Football Weekly is back in its regular 6 till 7pm slot every Monday night on Talk Sport 2. And we also have a new regular feature that we want you to get involved in. So every week we're going to pick a person, a club or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. But we want you to come up with some suggestions of whose story you would like to hear. Is there a player, a coach or a team, either past or present, who you'd like to know a little bit more about? If so, get a pen Tweet us at Talksport Two or at Faker Others or email us. We have a new email address for the new season, Women's Football Weekly at Talksport.co.uk with your suggestions, and we'll see what we can do. This week, we're shining a light on Aston Villa. So here's Talksport 2s Alex Biddle.
1: Buckle up, this could be one hell of a season. Aston Villa Women Football Club was formed in 1973 as Silihull FC. When Aston Villa asked for help in forming a ladies' team back in 1989, Silihull responded the club agreed to change their name in 1996 to become the officially recognized ladies team of the Birmingham Bay side. Non-stop, high-octane, complete entertainment. In 2014, they were one of ten teams who were elected in the WSL 2, which in 2018 was renamed to the Women's Championship. In 2019-20, Villa won promotion to the WSL and entered the top flight of women's football for the first time since 2004. Aston Villa midfielder Emma Follis spoke to Talksport 2's Anne Marie Batson about how the two leagues compare.
4: It is a massive step up. You've seen a lot of the, the signings that other clubs have made um, who are prolific players. Few other rumours of other American superstars coming over. So to get to play against those, it's going to be a real challenge, but I
0: think a privilege also.
1: Aston Villa boss Gemma Davies was just 25 years old when she was appointed as head coach. That just 18 months ago. And she started coaching at the age of 15 at Erdington Ladies. Alongside Gemma, though, is sporting director and former England forward Eni Aluko, who joined Villa earlier this year. Defender Anita Asante told TalkSport2 that her reasoning for joining the club was down to Any.
5: I mean, it wasn't a...
0: It helped. <laughs> it was a good thing in terms of I know her very well, obviously, and... You know, like myself, she's been in the game a long time. She's seen how much
1: it has evolved. An Aston Villa player to watch this season is the Denmark striker, Stina Larsen, who arrived in the summer from French club FC Fleury 91. She has a strong reputation across Europe and plenty of experience at Women's Champions League level. She also scored her first WSL goal this weekend with a penalty in a 3 1 loss against Reading. Straight into the corner, a perfectly strong penalty from Stein Larsen. Aston Villa's signings this summer also include Chloe Arthur, a midfielder from Birmingham City, defender Anita Asante from Chelsea, and the forward Diana Silva from Sporting Lisbon. So far, Aston Villa haven't made the dent in the WSL they would have liked, having lost their opening two games against Manchester City and Reading. But with the determination and attitudes that we know Villa can deliver from last season, I'm sure we haven't seen the best of them yet.
0: Thank you to Talksport 2's Alex Biddle for that spotlight on Aston Villa as I said please get involved in that tell us if you want to hear about another club maybe your team or another one you don't know too much about or a person or an event in history maybe that you want to know a little bit more about and we will shine the spotlight on it for you Uh, Courtney Sweetman Kirk and Molly McKelvey from the Telegraph with me in the studio here on Women's Football Weekly just very quickly um, we obviously haven't seen the best of Aston Villa yet but can we expect them to get better Courtney?
5: I think the will. I think I'm impressed with the setup behind the scenes as well. Having a director of football and and any in that position is fantastic. Um, They were they did very well in the in the championship last year. And I think correct me if I'm wrong. They were sort of on a hybrid model. They was they were full time. Um, or almost full-time at that point. So I think they're trying to do things in the right way. So there's definitely more to come from mm.
0: Um, Right, we haven't got very long left. So let's rattle through what's going on with England. We do have an England special on Women's Football Weekly uh, next week, Monday between 6 and 7. Uh, but they're meeting up today. For the first time, I actually... I wrote down XXX to research it and say when was the last time they met up. And then I forgot. So I actually can't remember. And it feels so long ago because we've had lockdown. So I don't know. But it seems like forever. And it's certainly hasn't been since Phil Neville announced that he was departing so i'm going to get to speak to him on friday which is very interesting so you'll get to hear the thoughts of the england manager next monday on the show but we've just been going through the squad squad of 30 players for the training camp first september they're meeting up at st george's park tomorrow which is tuesday just in case you're listening to the podcast um one glaring omission for me is goalkeeper Mary Earps, Manchester United's Mary Earps, not there, Molly. Yeah, I, I mean, when we were just
4: discussing it, both me and Courtney were kind of like, "Oh yeah, wait, where is she?" It's kind of kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit when when I kind of looked at the the squad lists originally. I'm I'm kind of confused by that myself. I guess maybe bringing in a couple of the younger goalkeepers, Hannah Hampton from Birmingham City, might might be, yeah, Neville, Phil Neville might just want to kind of. He seems to have wanted to bring in a lot of young players and maybe in in the keeper position
0: as well. But, yeah, I'm kind of confused personally mm. about that. Well, what are we going to learn from this training camp, Courtney? Because there is uh, there has been an announcement of a friendly um, in Germany against the Germans in October, the 27th, I think you said it was. Um what exactly? I mean, there's just barely any competitive games, are there, leading up to to what's going to be the Olympics now next year and the home Euros the year after? What, what exactly is he going to learn from this?
5: Well, he's got a difficult job on his hands. If it wasn't difficult before, in terms of everything now that's happened with COVID, it, it's ten. 10- Twenty hundred times worse. So um, I think he's going to learn a lot about the young players come through. It, it, it'd be interesting to see whether the new manager has, has had an input on that. Whether she's got you know a bit of a side eye on that watching because it it seems strange at the moment in in his tenure to to be doing that now because with with the lack of time they've got and lack of games, would they not be focusing on on you know on the Olympics and the players that will play there? And don't get me wrong, fantastic players, the ten that that aren't capped, but you know you you wouldn't expect all of them to focus on the olymp, um sorry be playing in the olympics so a bit bit of a strange one but it'll be great experience for them
0: Mm, i mean and these these training camps always are an experience aren't they certainly for the younger players to come up there is a real mix of of young and more experienced players that's for sure so it'll be very interesting to see exactly what they can do um i'm interested to speak to phil to see how this transition is going to work molly yeah, I think everyone's interested to know because
4: uh, there that's been a lot of confusion around that. Um yeah, you wonder how much how much um Serena Wie- Wiegmann, God, I always get that wrong, Wiegmann. and Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're all tough. Yeah, you wonder how much kind of input she's had already like Courtney said and and, and also I guess how h- how mu- how much of her kind of own team she's going to bring to the England setup as well cuz you've seen a big shake up in 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 Bev um, leaving or, or stepping down from her post as assistant um, manager.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that coaching restructure uh, next week on Women's Football Weekly. But our time has run out, unfortunately. An absolute pleasure to have you with us, though. Thanks to former Liverpool striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. Hope you're going to come back. I hope, yeah, hope you'll have me back. We certainly will. And Telegraph sports journalist Molly McKelvey. Thanks very much. Put your name for me. Right, right at the yeah. end. you right, made it. <laughs> next week, as I said, it's an England special. I'll be chatting with the outgoing Lionesses manager, Phil Neville, about this year of transition. Any questions for us during the week? You can email us at Women's Football at TalkSport.co.uk, tweet us at TalkSport2 or at FakerOthers. And as ever, you can also download the Women's Football Weekly podcast on Apple and Spotify products. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Her Others. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from
5: Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on Talksport 2.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.